Hey there, welcome to another episode of Ask a Pastor, a conversation that is designed to help Deer Creek think and act faithfully in the world. My name is Aaron Ellis, and I'm joined by Daniel, Daniel Nealon. Nealon. Yes, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have <laughs> you here every week. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thanks for joining us once again, Daniel. It's good to have you. Hey, on this episode, we are going to address more practical issues, day-to-day issues that we face uh, around the issue of homosexuality. Mm-hmm. We're going we're gonna to talk and discuss about uh, um, certain um, objections that might arise in conversation mm-hmm. or even some sayings that even might arise in conversations that, um, that we face, again, on a, on a day-to-day uh, basis. But hey, before we jump in, let's begin with prayer. Let's pray. Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for providing scripture for us that we can know you and we can know what you think about certain things in, in the world. And um, we're thankful for your love for us. We're thankful that you do care for us and you've adopted us to be your own. And in this moment, Lord, we pray that as we proceed in this discussion, that our eyes would be open to your word and that we, our hearts would be conformed to your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Daniel, what I wanted to ask because this is a common objection that people have. They, mm-hmm. they, they tend to go to the subject of judgment mm-hmm. and, um, yeah. hey, you're judging somebody uh, by, by saying that what they're doing is wrong. And, um, yeah. and, and they even quote the famous words of Jesus, you know, hey, just a reminder, judge not lest you be yeah. judged kind of thing. That's, that's the popular um, objection. And also that, that question, which is who am I to judge essentially, is, is also something that, that I've heard Christians say because they kind of lack yeah. a confidence to, to know what to say, right? Yeah. So, so they're faced with an issue of, hey, this person's saying they're homosexual, and so yeah. they feel unsure. So they'll just say something like, well, you know what? I don't know what to say, so who am I to judge? Yeah, who am I to judge? Yeah, there's a couple. Uh, I listened to a couple of interviews recently on YouTube of well-known Christians that when faced with that same sort of question of, well, what do you think about homosexuality? They will come at it from that approach of, well, who am I? I'm not really one to judge. And um, the thing that can be really confusing about that is because it's not altogether wrong. Jesus tells us not to judge. And that comes from uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. This is Matthew chapter 7, so I'll I'll read what Jesus says. Mm -hmm. He says, judge not that you may not be judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and it, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give to dogs that which is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. So when Jesus says, do not judge here, what Jesus is saying is not that we aren't supposed to discern between right and wrong. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes when people are presented with the case of homosexuality or any sin, Mm -hmm. that's usually how they understand that. And they'll say, well, you know, I'm not supposed to really make a determination whether that's a right or a wrong action. But that's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying here is that we are not to condemn others as if we were God. Right. God alone has the prerogative to ultimately judge a person uh-huh. and determine their eternal fate. Mm-hmm. What Jesus is saying here when he's saying judge not 
is saying, hey, if you're going to take the place of thinking that you have the power to make an eternal judgment or a condemning judgment on another person, then he says, hey, the judgment you pronounce, with that you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. Uh So you think of what that's getting at is if I say to somebody, hey, you're not going to go to heaven because you do X. Uh Well, you're going to be judged by that same standard. Yeah. And so that's supposed to be a sobering thing that Jesus is saying is, hey, when you take the place of God and seek to condemn others and tell them what their eternal outcome is going to be, yeah, that same measure that you use to determine is going to be the measure that's used for you. Yeah. So it's supposed to be a sobering thing and kind of turn the tables on us. So Jesus, just to be clear, is saying, hey, do not condemn somebody or take that which God alone has the prerogative to do, Mm -hmm. which is eternally condemn somebody. Right. So, because someone's not going to face condemnation from God because I pronounce that condemnation exactly. on yep. them, because I don't have that authority and I right. don't have that power. Yeah. And uh, what Jesus is saying, though, is that we still can make discern. We can make discerning judgments. Sure. Right. We can render certain judgments based on, hey, what that person is doing is wrong versus what that person is doing is right. That's wholly appropriate. In fact, in that passage I read, verse 6 said, do not give to dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs. What he's saying is, hey, we're supposed to, we have this precious gift that's like pearls Mm -hmm. and we're supposed to be discerning on who we're going to share those things with. Um, Later on, Jesus is talking about bad teachers or false prophets. So even in that term, when Jesus says, beware of false prophets, when we hear somebody preaching or when we hear somebody saying something that's not true, mm-hmm. we're supposed to render a judgment on that and being like, you know what? That, that's not true. That's false. Yeah. And so Jesus, just to be clear, is saying, hey, it's not that we're not to, when he says judge not, it's not that we're not to make discerning judgments, right. but that we're not to make condemning judgments. Yeah. So with sins <clears throat> in particular, it's not, you're, you're not breaking these words, these, um, you know, the the words of Jesus when you're saying something that he has said is a sin. Right. Is a sin. Right. Right. Yep. And this is something that we have to make a good distinction in too, is we, there is a difference between judging somebody and witnessing to what is true. Yeah. As well. Right. Right. So, we are not called to make an eternal judgment on somebody or condemn somebody for their sin, but we are called to witness the truth to them. Mm-hmm. So if somebody asks us, hey, you know, I struggle with same-sex attraction, what am I supposed to do with that? We're, we're definitely not supposed to say, well, who am I to judge? I, I don't really know. Yeah, We are supposed to witness to what's true out of love for another yeah. person and say, actually, the Bible says this about yeah. that subject, and because I love you, I want you to know that yeah. because I think the best thing for you is that you submit to what God has for you. So, yeah. yeah and we touched a little bit on, on this next piece, which, which is, which is sort of related um, a little bit the last episode, mm-hmm. but we, we tend to place things in, in um, these feeling categories, right? So, mm-hmm. so we think, Oh, if somebody's saying something that feels like opposition to me, then, then they must not be loving me. Right. Right. And we've, we've addressed yep. that um, in, in a little more detail. But this is something that comes up because people will say, yeah, but, you know, aren't we just called to love? Yeah, aren't right? we called to love people? Aren't we called yep. to love people? 
Yep. Yeah, and that's, again, great point. Jesus says in the great commandment that we're supposed to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, yeah. and to love our neighbor as ourself. Hmm. So it seems like, wow, we are definitely called to love those who are around us, regardless of who they are, Yeah. right? Um, but what we have to do carefully here is say, what does it mean, according to the Bible, to love somebody? Mm-hmm. So I would define love when I'm looking at our, our general culture. Yeah. I think the definition of love for our culture is, I would describe as unconditional positive affirmation. Yeah. That to love somebody in our culture is to affirm them no matter what they do, no matter what they say, no matter how they're living, and to unconditionally say, that's good. I think the Bible has a much more robust definition of love. Mm -hmm. And I would describe um, love according to the Bible as wanting and striving for the ultimate good and holiness of a person. Yeah. Um, I get that from the way love is described in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. God uh, is often described as a God with steadfast love. So it's a love that constantly pursues Mm -hmm. somebody for their ultimate good. Mm -hmm. Um, And we know that when God does capture somebody, so to speak, with his love, Mm -hmm. it changes that person from the very core of their being. And it actually changes their behavior and changes their thinking and changes their affections and their will to such a degree that they become what the Bible says, a new creation. Yeah. So, Yes, we're supposed to love people, but we have to be sure that we're talking about the same kind of love. Yeah. Because yeah. our culture will say, hey, unconditional positive affirmation is what loving is. The Bible will say, no, love looks a lot different. It looks more like pursuing somebody's holiness and ultimate good into eternity. Um, so we just have to keep that distinction in mind. Another way that people will kind of talk about love today is in the vein of tolerance too. So along with, whereas affirmation is saying everything that you're doing is good, Aaron. Yeah. Tolerance says, hey, I don't necessarily agree with what you're doing, Aaron, Aaron, uh, but I'm not going to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. Let's just kind of live and let live. Yeah. And I think out of all of the ways that we can love people, this is the worst way to do it. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because take people that you love most in your life. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll just use the example of uh, my children. Mm -hmm. I love my children to such an extent that if they're doing something that's harming them or they're doing something that will be a detriment to them, for me to say, hey, live and let live, Uh you know, Uh, you be you, you know, (laughs) that's not really loving. In fact, I would describe that more as indifference. It's hey, you know what? You're walking toward a pool and you're not wearing your floaties. Yeah. You can't swim. Yeah. But you do you. Yeah. I, know, I think that's wrong. Yeah. And, but I'm going to tolerate what you're doing, even though I think it's destructive. And then allowing somebody to step over the edge and drown in the deep end. Yeah. I think we'd all look at that and say, hey, that's not love. That's indifference. Right. And I would say indifference is actually probably one of the strongest forms of hate rather than love. Yeah. When you hate somebody... If that person's destroying themselves, you just say, oh, whatever, let yeah. them be. 
Right. So we need to be really careful that when we're talking about love, because we are called to love people, mm-hmm. that we're talking about the same defi- definition of love. Um, and just to follow up on that, very closely tied together in the Bible is love and keeping God's commandments. Yeah. So Jesus made this clear in John chapter 14. He says, if you love me, oh, yeah. you will keep my commandments. Mm-hmm. And we need to keep that in mind, that love never runs counter to the commandments of God. Yeah. So you can think of uh, love being a two-lane road, right? In order to love somebody right alongside in that other lane has to be God's commandments. Yeah. And you know you're on the right road because it's a two-lane road. Yeah. When you start emphasizing follow the commandments of God and there's no loving posture behind it, yeah. well, that's just overbearing legalism. Yeah. If you start loving person without God's commandments, mm-hmm. well, then you're becoming an unconditional positive affirming person yeah and you're actually harming people Mm -hmm. so we got to keep that clear that love always accompanies god's commandments right alongside it yeah that's a good reminder right that's super helpful yeah well to make it even more practical though Mm -hmm. here's where the rubber meets the road is many of you even tuning in and watching i think that was a pun with the the lanes you said where the rubber meets the road it was that was good yeah (laughs) Unintended, of course. I'm that smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but really, though, uh, these you, you people watching and tuning in right now, you might even say, "Hey, I have friends, I have family members," and this is this is something we hear a lot. Yep. Hey, well, in, in fact, sometimes it's even offered as a loose object objection, mm-hmm. like, "Hey, you can't say that. I have a family member." Right. Who, who is homosexual. Right. It's like, well, okay, let's think through this. Let's you know, say something yeah. more that, that helps us think through like what, what you're trying to get at. But, yeah. but really what they're trying to say is, what am I supposed to do in this mm-hmm. situation? It might be a uh, child. It uh-huh. might be a friend. It, it might be somebody, uh, an uncle or an aunt. It might be someone in close um, approximation to you and um how how am i supposed to respond to them okay so now i'm a christian now and and i have these convictions that i want to align with scripture and i have i have these people in my life how am i supposed to treat them how am i supposed to interact with them what am i supposed to do in these situations yeah so start from kind of the highest level here and i would say okay in all circumstances when we're talking with somebody who is struggling, struggling with any kind of sexual sin, but let's just talk about homosexuality, any sort of sexual sin, uh, we always, in all instances, do that with a posture of uh, humility repent, and repentance and always make sure that we're not being self-righteous um, in our posture and in our conversation. Yeah. So that's what Jesus is getting at when he's talking about, hey, when, when you do discern between what somebody's doing um, make sure that you're examining yourself before you go and start examining somebody else. That's what Jesus was getting at when he was talking yeah. about the log in your own eye right. versus the speck in somebody else's own eye. He's not saying, hey, you're wrong to point out the speck, mm-hmm. but just realize there might be a massive log covering up your own eye, right. uh, making you pretty blind yeah. uh, to your own shortcomings and sins. Yeah. So that's the first. So in all instances, acknowledging your own sin first repenting first and approaching people with humility. So that's all instances we do that. Then when we get down into 
uh, a little bit lower of a level, then we ask ourselves the question, okay, is this person that I'm talking with, are they a Christian or are they not a Christian? Mm. Are they a follower of Jesus or not? And we see that distinction in 1 Corinthians chapter Mm 5. So Paul's writing the church there, and he's talking about a particular form of sexual immorality that is destroying this church. Yeah, uh, There was a guy in the church who uh, married his mother-in-law, mm-hmm. um, and Paul says, hey, what you're doing is not right. And yeah. so let me give you some guidance on how to navigate this issue of uh, sexual immorality yeah. within the church and other sins. He, he throws them in here as well. But Uh, This is 1 Corinthians 5, verse 9. He says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since you would need to go out of the world. So right there you see Paul's making a distinction between, hey, there are those who are of the world, Mm -hmm. that is those who don't profess to be Christians, and with them... He's not saying, hey, completely shut those people out. They should never, ever enter a church. We should never talk with those people. He says, no, actually with those people, uh, we're supposed to engage people like that. We're supposed to have a posture of wanting them to hear the good news of the gospel. But he says, when it comes to somebody who is a Christian, then we're supposed to approach that person differently. Or if they say, hey, I'm a Christian but I'm also an adulterer, or I'm a Christian and I practice homosexuality, or I'm a Christian, but I'm also an idolater, or I'm a Christian and I'm also a drunkard, as he says here. Then he says, well, here's how you're supposed to handle that. And he starts with the level of the church. Uh He says, hey, as the church, as a collective body, you are not to associate with that person, not meaning that we're to never talk with that person again or have any sort of fellowship with that person again. Right. Well, because as a church, we actually have unique forms of mm-hmm. association. Yeah, that's that right. That are unique to the church yeah. that affirm our unity together. Yeah, right? exactly. So what he's getting at there, and when he's saying, uh, you know, do not uh, have fellow table fellowship or eat with such a one, what he's getting at is, hey, the pinnacle form of being a part of the household of God as a Christian is receiving the Lord's Supper together. Yeah. And that's the unique form. Yeah. And that's what Paul's getting at here. Yeah. He's saying, hey, when somebody's in your congregation and they say, I'm a Christian, but I'm also still practicing homosexuality. Yeah. You say, hey, as it pertains to the church, that person is not to come up to the communion meal. And we're not to, we're not to in a sense, act as if, oh, everything's okay here. Yeah. What Paul is saying is, is no, you sexual immorality will destroy your church and it's going to destroy the person that is struggling with it. Mm -hmm. So you actually need to confront those issues, Mm -hmm. not just be passively accepting of them. Yeah. So at the church level, that's the approach we're supposed to take is Mm -hmm. say, Hey, be a part of a Sunday morning, be a part of our church. But when it comes to this ultimate expression of what it looks like to be a Christian, that's where we have to say, Hey, this is actually reserved for those that are, in Christ that are following him in obedience that say that they're Christians and by all intents and purposes and from all outward observation is walking the walk, so to speak. Yeah. Um, Then you go from that level to, well, how do we do that on a personal basis? Mm -hmm. So if uh, you know, you have an uncle or you have an aunt or a son or a daughter that is struggling with homosexuality, um, the approach there would be, 
the same approach you would take with anyone else who's in sin. You love that person. Yeah. You witness to the truth in that person. Uh, you seek their ultimate heavenly good. And you be patient and gentle with that person and always look for opportunities to share the hope of the gospel with them. Yeah. Um, so I think those are helpful kind of categories of thinking through this is that, hey, people can do stuff that we don't agree with, especially those that are very close to us. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean we shun them. Yeah. We still love them and pursue them. Uh, but the one line that we do draw is, hey, as a corporate church body, we yeah. just say, hey, but we're not going to have the communion meal uh, yeah. with them. Which helps distinguish, actually, um, between what the church does that expresses our unity, which is the Lord's table, right? Yeah. And, um, and what it is that we're united on doctrinally, right? Mm-hmm. How, how mm-hmm. we understand Scripture. And, um, and then the, thanks, the like, meeting together as a family is Thanksgiving. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's for Thanksgiving, you yeah. know, here at the end of November... Uh, that is a different meal it's a different than meal. what's provided for yep. uh, in in the worship service yeah. um, when we come together for communion. Yeah, so Paul's definitely not saying, hey, don't invite this person to Thanksgiving. Right. He's saying, no, hey, when you celebrate the Lord's Supper, uh, just make sure that you're doing that with repentant hearts and do that as people who acknowledge they need a Savior. And if a person says that they're a Christian and is still practicing sexual immorality or greed or idolatry or reviling or drunkenness or swindling, hey, they're not, they're not to come uh, because out of love, we, we want that person to know, hey, the ultimate good for you is to repent and believe in Jesus before you come to this meal. Yeah. So, well, that is good. That is helpful. And yeah, I'm thankful for you sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this is our last episode yes. on uh, the topic of homosexuality. Yes. And so looking forward, um, beginning next week, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to be coming out with another set of uh, episodes. So look forward for those. But until then, thanks for joining us and uh, see you again next time. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Take care.